Good morning everyone, it's, uh, it's lovely to be with you and see you this morning. We're going to start by singing a song about why we are here. Lord, when we meet to worship thee, before us let thy glory pass. Proclaim thy mercy rich and free. In Jesus may we see thy face. Father God, great God, Lord we have come to this place to worship you and your lovely son the Lord Jesus. We are a small group of people in a small place in a small part of Manchester yet we are before your throne and at your right hand is your son. Father you are a great God you are the creator of everything and to be in, amongst your throne in many ways it should scare us but we're not frightened Father because we know your love for us we know that you've called us to be in this place so be with us as we worship you and bless as we pray Amen just before we take the announcements about our church activities, I thought it would be nice to, first of all, take um, one of the readings for the, for the day. I hope you'll see why. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ace is going to read that for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of work, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for a common good. The one that is there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit so another miraculous power to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and, the, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into the body, whether Jews 
or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot uh, should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not uh, for that reason cease uh, to be part of the body. And if the ear uh, should say, because I am not an ear, an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease uh, to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the, the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. In, in, the, in the contrary, on the contrary, those parts of the body seem to be weaker, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our pre presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that it parts, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, each part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, we are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of, he of healing, those able, to, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. All apostles, uh, all prophets, uh, all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of he healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. So we are one body and with many talents. And with that in mind, um, Steve's going to give us the announcements. Today, Pete Griffith's test results have shown that he does have cancer. 
We do pray for Pete and for Christine at this frightening time. Gladys is not able to be here today as her carer had not arrived to help her get ready in time. Gladys does sound very low at the moment and she would appreciate any visits that we can give. We do think of Helen May, whose baby was due during the week, but is still not delivered. Um, Helen's feeling quite uncomfortable at the moment, so we pray that the baby will arrive quite soon. Mary and Jack are having a short break at the moment. Mary is due to have some more chemotherapy soon. We continue to pray a blessing upon Hermione and Hannah and Ollie, for Sophie and for Mike and for Lucy. Marion has not been well lately, and she also appreciates contact. Please continue to pray for John in the Congo as he is finding life very difficult at the present. Pauline continues to find life difficult as well and she also appreciates our visits and contact that we can make. Hayley McCarty has broken her ankle and she may require surgery which she will find out on Tuesday if this is necessary. Chantel, who many of you remember from Friday Club and from the choir and youth church, has been moved to Southport by social services. This will be hard for her, as she will not know anyone there. Please pray for her that youth leaders may be able to contact her. Mark Kelly, who again many of you will know, is marrying Michelle today, and we pray for God's blessing on them. During the week, Andrew and Sheila received a phone call from a mother of two of the children at youth church. Uh, She's called Nikki. She's the mother of Chloe and Keris Drummond. She was reluctant to talk about her problems, but she has asked the church if we can pray for her healing of her sickness. They're the care news. Joe will provide the care news again for next week, so if there's any items, please pass them to Joe. Thank you, Steve. So we, we'll pray together. Does everyone have anything or anyone they would like to, to bring before us? Father God, we meet together as your family again, and we come before you. And we thank you for all the different gifts that you have blessed us with. We're all so different. We're all unique. Each of us has different things to offer. And Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us to use those gifts. All those many announcements that Steve made, Father, we pray for your blessing on. That you will bless those gifts that you've given us. That they'll come to fruition. That we'll be able to do your work and bear your fruit. Help us to work in a spirit that gives you glory. Not out of our our own self-interest, but only that you may be brought glory. And help us to work with energy and enthusiasm and love in all that we do. And Father, we also have a whole list of people who need your special care at the moment. Many who we think about week in, week out. And sometimes it's because we think about them week in, week out, that it's easy to forget forget about them. People like Pauline, Father, who need your care all the time. And we pray, pray be with, with her. But also, Father, we have news which sometimes rocks us. And we think about Pete and Christine and the whole family. The news that Pete's had is not good, Father. And it means that he's going to, he and the family are going to go through a really difficult time over the next few weeks and a few months. We pray that you'll be with them, that they will be strong, and that they will feel your comfort. We thank you that Mary is, is feeling strong and well enough to be able to go on holiday, and I pray that you'll be with her and Jack and Norman and Margaret and give them a, 
a restful time that they enjoy their time time away together Helen is about to give birth we we hope and we we pray that be with her and the family that you'll bless them and, and give them the strength that they need through this challenging time Father and that we will soon be able to meet this fantastic blessing that you've given them Gladys is is really struggling Father and because she is so dependent on other people sometimes she gets let down we pray that you'll be with her and that you'll encourage her Father help her to be positive in through her difficulties and thank you for all the members of this church who can help and support her we think of Perlene's brother and, and his family. And Lord, it, it sounds like they've had a horrific time over the last few weeks. And they're going through a really hard few days now. Be with them and comfort them, Father, I pray. Give them the strength that they need. And Father, thank you that uh, Devon has, has got a new job, which will um, give the family security. Pray that uh, the job will, will, will suit him well and he'll enjoy that and be with him as he's, he endeavours to go down that pathway. And Lord, we've been asked to pray for a lady called Nikki, who most of us won't know, but we know her children come to Sunday school and we know that she has problems that, that are great, that she doesn't know how to deal with. Father, help her to bring her problems before you because anything, any difficulties we have in our life we know we can bring them before you and you are the, the, our rock you are our resting place and we pray that you'll be able to work through Andrew and Sheila that, you, that they may be able to bring your comfort to Nikki and her family I'm sure there are people that we've missed out in this prayer Help our hearts to reach out to, to every one of member of our family who needs special care at this time. Amen. We have a, a list like, like we have every week in our, in our care announcements and, and the, the members of our family and friends who we know who go through difficult times. I find sometimes that life just doesn't make sense. We believe in a God who loves us and cares for, for us and we trust in him. But that doesn't mean life always makes sense. The Christian philosopher Kierkegaard, forgive the pronunciation, said that life can only be understood backwards but it must be lived forwards. And sometimes it's only with hindsight that we can understand why things have happened, isn't it? But even then some things just don't make sense. Though we can try and understand the twists and turns of life, sometimes I think we're best just accepting them. There's the, uh, the famous um, phrase which, which people use, which is a, a paraphrase from Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And that phrase has a certain amount of acceptance isn't in it, doesn't it? That the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And I think what Job, Job says next is, is very powerful for us. He simply says, blessed be the name of the Lord. And when you think about the circumstances that Job was in, for him to say that is, is really a, a, an amazing exhortation to us. 
perhaps more than more important than being able to understand what happens in our lives more important than that is how we react to what happens in our lives this morning we're going to think about um, something that to me even with the benefit of hindsight doesn't make sense um, but we're going to see how some people reacted to that situation but first of all to kind of set the tone of our thoughts I'd like us to sing two songs together from Praise the Lord these songs are about our commitment to God and our gratitude for his hand on our lives it's first of all Abba Father and then second of all when I feel the touch so first of all Abba Father let me be yours and yours alone we're going to be thinking about and taking some lessons from the Shunammite woman this morning and to introduce that um, Sue's going to come and read to us from 2 Kings chapter 4 and um, verse 8 through to verse 37 2 Kings 4 starting from chapter from verse 8 one day Elijah went to Sunam and a well-to-do woman was there who, who urged him to stay for a meal so whenever he came by he stopped there to eat She said to her husband, I know this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a a bed in it and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call the Sunamite. So he called her and she stood before him. And Elisha said to him, Tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us, now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you'll hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected, don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. And his father told a servant, Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. She saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me, and he's not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. 
Didn't I tell you? Don't raise my hopes. <coughs> Elisha said to Gehazi, Take your cloak in your belt, take my staff in your hand and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, The boy is not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched his hands, as he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body began to grow warm, and Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then he got onto the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes, and Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. So, we have a woman, and she was a godly woman. She was uh, a woman who God had blessed in many ways. She was rich, she was wealthy, and she didn't have to worry about her daily bread. But in other ways, God had not blessed her. He had not given her any children. But despite the, the social stigma that went with that, she had learned to be content. She had accepted it. Sometimes the Lord gives, sometimes he doesn't. And she was a godly woman. But then suddenly, out of the blue, she is given a son. A miracle. A gift of the Spirit. A birth of the Spirit. Incredible. And yet, and this is the bit that's really hard to understand, only a few years later, the child was dead. Why? Why did God put her through such anguish, through such torment, through such a horrible situation? As she said herself, did I ask for a son? Yet God gave her a son and he took it away as well. Now I don't know the mind of God, so I'm not in a position to answer the question why. But we can look at the reactions of three different people. And I think they're, they're very helpful to us. We have two good reactions and one bad reaction. And the first is that of the woman herself. We don't, don't know much about her, but what we do know paints a remarkable picture. And I think it's relevant. Like I said, she was wealthy, but she used her blessings well. She used the blessings that God had given her to help other people. She put the Shunem into Shunem, because Shunem means resting place. And she made it a resting place. She was hospitable to people without knowing who they were. It was only after a while that she realised that Elisha was a man of God. Yet still, she, she let him into her house right from the very beginning. If you look at uh, where we read from, from verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go there. What a godly woman she was. 
She was reckless with her love. She gave without wanting anything back in return. There's two types of giving in this world, and uh, they're neatly summarised by a story about the outlaw Jesse James. Jesse James and his gang had just finished a bank robbery, and they, um, they, they were out running away, and they, they needed some food and some shelter. So they came to a, a lonely, deserted farmhouse and found a woman there, and they asked her to give them food and shelter. The woman let them in, but, and she gave them what food she could, but she apologised for her poor hospitality. She was a widow, she was deeply in debt, and she was actually waiting for the debt collector to come and ask for $1,400, which she had no hope of paying. But she gave them what she had anyway. Now, Jesse James had the spoils of his bank raid in his, in his back pocket. So he said to her, here's $1,400. Pay the debt collector, but just make sure you get a receipt. And he left. The debt collector comes, expecting to uh, be a bailiff in this case, banged down the door and demanded the $1,400. The woman paid the money over to him, took the receipt. Debt collector left. A mile down the road, Jesse James robbed him of the $1,400. (laughs) So in that story, you have two types of giving. The widow who just gave what she had with no hope of not expecting a return. And Jesse James who fully expected to get back what he had given. But just look at um, this woman here, verse 11. One day he came there this is Elisha, and turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi the servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. She was completely content. She didn't want anything from Elisha. She was just pleased to help um, the man of God. And though she had issues in her life, her husband was elderly, she had no security, no one to look after her when when he had died, she was still content. But then, of course, it was all changed. And she was given a son. But as soon as um, he was given, he was taken away. Verse 18. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers, And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. And the father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. Yesterday we went um, to Donamassi. And there's a tree in Donamassi which is great. It's a a really big tree, um, so wide it'd probably take three of us to kind of arm in arm to go round it. But this tree has fallen down, and that's what's so great about it. It's amazing for climbing on. So we went with Mike and Lucy, and we let the kids watch us while me and Mike climbed the tree. It was great. <laughs> um, but this is a giant tree, this tree. And we'd been on it for about ten minutes when I realised that actually there was leaves growing on this tree. This enormous, I think it's an oak, which some, some great force has taken down, its roots flying up in the air, it's actually still alive. Because some of the roots are still in the ground. And uh, I thought that's a tremendous lesson to us. Sometimes not, life knocks us flat, doesn't it? Sometimes we can be sideways, prostrate on the ground. But as long as our roots are still, still in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's still life. And I think that's what we can see in, in this lady. Because the way she reacts is, is kind of strange in many ways, but through it you can see um, the trust that she had in God. 
In verse 21 it says, She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. So she didn't actually tell her husband what had happened to the son, probably because she knew it would be no use whatsoever. But she went to the place where she knew she could, she could trust. She went to the man of God. And verse 23, and he said, this is her husband, why would you go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. And she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Imagine saying that to her husband. Their boy has just died. And she says to her husband, all is well. And she sets off to Mount Carmel, the place which I think had become Elisha's hangout. And she knew she could find him. It's a 20-mile journey, but she headed straight there. So the first lesson from this, this first character we look at is, is one of trust. In all life circumstances, we have to learn to trust God. She laid her son at the bed, on the bed of the man of God. The second example is, is not so good one. It's the example of Gehazi, who is Elisha's um, disciple. And actually, the child was his idea in the first place. Um, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 14. Um, so Elisha says, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, he had called her she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, a man of God, do not lie to your servant. So the, the child was Gehazi's idea. And sometimes I think we can be a kind of person who knows what's best for everyone else. We know the answers to everyone else's problems. We know what they need to do to sort themselves out. And sometimes when we do that, we actually don't help at all. You might think I'm being a bit hard on Gehazi there, but when you see how he responds to the, to the death of the child, you realise that actually his heart wasn't in it. He wasn't at, his heart didn't reach out to this woman. Um, after, after the child had died, what did Gehazi do? Verse 27, well, he got in the way. When she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. He actually got in the way of her coming to the man of God. His heart wasn't in it. You can see, um, if you look to the next chapter later on, that Gehazi was greedy, and he wasn't, he wasn't really um, um, following Elisha properly. And even when Elisha asked him to help, he couldn't do anything. In verse 29 it says, He said to Gehazi, Tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. Lay my staff on the face of the child. In verse 31, Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. Why didn't this magic trick work? Why didn't it work for Gehazi? Just like Aaron had taken his, his, his master's stuff, Moses' stuff, and stretched out over the Red Sea, why didn't this trick work for Gehazi? Why did he have to wait for his masters to come down from the mountainside to bring about this healing? Well, I believe it's because his heart was not in the right place. If it had been, and the staff would have worked. 
And there's a, a big echo here from what's happening in this chapter to, to the disciples' failure um, when Jesus um, um, commissioned them to bring about healing. There are a few parallels in the way that Gehazi was sent out to the way Jesus sent out the 12 and the 72. But there's also, like I say, the parallel of their failure. If you, if you turn to Luke, if you want to have a look, a look at Luke. It's chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 37. On the next day when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him and suddenly it cries out and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast this out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear you? Bring your son here. And while he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. So there's some distinct parallels here, an echo here between the disciples' failure and that of Gehazi. And Jesus' words that they were faithless and part of a twisted generation perhaps applied to, um, to Gehazi. And in other, in other passages, and Jesus says to them, this can only come out, this kind of demon can only be healed through prayer and fasting. So perhaps if Gehazi had, had, had applied that to himself, he would have been able to do the healing. But instead he had to wait for his Lord to come down the mountainside. So the second lesson is that in any situation, we can only be of use if we have faith, and if we have a genuine heart for the situation, if we genuinely care, if we don't, we'll be of no use whatsoever. So the third and final example is Elisha himself. If you turn back to 2 Kings 4, I find it quite reassuring that even someone as faithful as Elisha can still be surprised by life's twists and turns. You see, at the end of verse 27, he says, Leave her alone, for she's in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me. He didn't know, he didn't understand, he couldn't work out why this had happened. Surely he had, he had blessed this woman, given her a child, so why did this child die? He didn't understand what had happened. And I, I find that quite reassuring, reassuring for us. But eventually he does arrive at the house. And what's the first thing he does? He prays. Verse 32, when Elijah came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. And so he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and he prayed to the Lord. That's the first port of call. The first thing he does is to pray. Remember Jesus' um, words that this kind of demon can only be healed by prayer and fasting. That's exactly the path that Elisha took here. The second thing he does is he comes alongside the child. And boy, does he come alongside. Just read these details. In verse 34 it says, He went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, putting his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. This is uh, Gehazi. This is the staff. It's a genuine relic. No. <laughs> and this is so... When Gehazi went to try and heal this boy, he, he put the staff, I reckon, a bit like that, on the boy's face. And when you think about the, the physical nature of that, that's at arm's length, isn't it? He had the boy at arm's length. Uh, I need two actors to act out what a life... No, no. <laughs> we won't go down there. But the contrast between what Elisha did, his eyes to the boy's eyes, his mouth 
to the boy's mouth, his hands to the boy's hands. One is keeping someone at arm's length, one is coming alongside, absolutely pressing himself to this boy. And in doing so, he restarted the boy's heart. It's a physical thing, but I think it actually says, says, quite, uh, it says an awful lot to us. Maybe Kahazai thought in the back of his mind, I could become unclean from this dead body, so I'll use this stuff and I'll just poke it a bit. Whereas Elisha is, like I say, coming alongside, pressing himself against this dead body, making himself unclean in the process, completely coming alongside. We read right at the very beginning, he read for us how we together are a body. The church is a body, eyes, legs, nose, mouth, eyes, ears. And the world outside you can see as being a dead body. And as a church, we have to do what Elisha did. We have to come alongside the world outside and try and bring life back to it. We have to press our mouth to its mouth, our eyes to its eyes, our hands to its, its hands. The church is a life-giving body. It must do that. And things in life can be difficult to understand. We can try and understand them. I've, I've got no problem with that. We might be right, we might be wrong. But more importantly is how we react. That's the most important thing. In the, in the New Testament, they have the idea of the comforter, and the Greek word parakletos, the one who comes alongside. And uh, God and Jesus set the example for us, written in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'd like to turn to there. Two Kings, sorry, two Corinthians, chapter one, and verse three. It says, "Blessed be the Lord, so blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, the one who always comes alongside, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction." with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted by God. So it's, that's the kind of, it's a passion, isn't it? God presses his eyes to our eyes, his mouth to our mouth, his hands to our hand, and he expects us to do the same. There was a first aid class which met um, every week, Saturday morning, local community centre. Pretty mundane, everyone was working to try and get a certificate. But then one day, um, this man burst in and he said, an amazing thing happened this week. Um, I was just sitting in the park bench when there's this almighty car crash behind, uh, happened behind me. It's a terrible car crash, horrible. And it made me so glad that I'd been coming along to this first aid class because I put my head beneath my knees and I didn't faint. <laughs> I have told that story before, so you recognise it. That's broken. The point is, we've had a first aid class. We go to the first aid class. But it's not just for our own benefit, is it? It's to use um, for the benefit of other people, to bring comfort to our friends, to our families, to our brothers and sisters, to our work colleagues, to the world outside. So let me just close with a blessing um, for you from Second Thessalonians in chapter 2. And verse 16 it says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us, and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word.
We're going to sing to bring us to the break of bread. I like this hymn because it's about Jesus coming alongside us in our lives. O Son of Man, who walked each day a humble road, serene and strong, go with me now upon life's way, my comrade, all the journey long. That's the bread for us. Lord God, our great and holy Father, we come now to take this bread and break it and pass it amongst us. Help us, Lord, to be stirred to remember that this bread, as we're told, proclaims your Son's death. Lord Jesus, it shows to us that you died, but you live. And Father, we thank you for that. As we've already thought, we're just a small group of people here in one little place on the earth. And and yet, you draw close to us. You want to be right there, right in our faces, holding our hands, warming us with your love and your grace. But so often, Lord, we try to keep you at arm's length. Or perhaps we look to our own needs first, rather than the work that is to be done in the world. Father, we thank you for this bread. May it stir us up. May it warm us and help us to resolve to draw closer to you and to let you more into our lives. We pray that it might bring healing and forgiveness, that it might bring courage and unity, not to just us as individuals, but to us as a family together. We thank you for this time, Lord. Help us to draw close to you and to your Son, Jesus. Hear our prayer we ask. Amen. This is the most excellent way. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Mighty God, it was not enough, not enough to reach out to God and touch us. It's never enough for you to keep us at arm's distance for you to look down on us in your majesty that was not enough because you knew the ailment that had killed us that had left us mortified needed more than that so you gave us the very warmth from your body the Lord Jesus Christ something so close to you and you warmed us and you saved us Father, our brother-to-be Sam's going to be baptised soon and he'll know that then that this is life this is living that before we could be poked with a stick and stirred into some sort of action but to feel the warmth of your love to know that warmth is living Father, we thank you for this wine because it's not enough that you ask us to remember you with magic words or fancy clothes or high altars you say drink this wine and remember 
And Father, we do this now. We remember the warmth of your love that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. Knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Derek's going to close in prayer, but first of all we're going to sing a song which I I think the Shunammite woman would quite enjoy. My trust is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. My hope is in the name of the Lord. My joy is in the name of the Lord. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time together, this time when we've been reminded how relevant your word is to our lives, our daily lives, that we should trust in you to read your word and to be encouraged by it. What better words could we have read this morning about how we should be united in love, as a wonderful family, so blessed, so blessed to be able to read how you have promised to send Jesus back to us to make this world perfect and for our responsibility day by day to look to that promise and to encourage one another, each one of this family, to love one another as you have loved us. And so we go from this place today, Heavenly Father, rejoicing in joy and love, knowing that you care for us and that you do encourage us day by day. So we're very thankful, Heavenly Father, for this time together. We do thank you in Jesus' name and offer our prayer, as always, through him. Amen.